everyone, it's Mad Mike here. I decided to start something new on my podcast. Something exciting that I think you all will enjoy. For the last five years, you all have heard me telling other people's stories. While I have enjoyed telling you all stories in my own voice, I have felt disconnected from you all since I never really hear you guys and I want to try something new today by allowing fans and other folks to call in with their own stories and experiences. If you have a scary story or paranormal encounter and want to call in right now, call the Scarecast hotline at 213-320-0390. You can remain anonymous and refrain from telling the audience where you are from if you'd like. There's also a five minute limit on calls, so should you go longer than five minutes, please call back and continue where you left off. Today, we have three callers who all have stories that will bring you to the edge of your seat. The first story is from a caller who once lived in a house in Somerville, South Carolina, known as the Flower Town in the Pines, a town that's all about preserving its past. But in this house, some things are better left behind. This caller just so happened to come across a super cheap deal on a very nice house. But little did he know was that not only was he buying the house, but also something very sinister. A package deal straight from hell. With all this said, I will now present you with the first caller. Hey, Mad Mike. This is M6A2E1 off of Instagram. I was just going to tell you one of my stories, but this is about a, a house I bought. I live in Charleston, South Carolina. And at the time, about 2004, I bought a house, got a super good deal. It was in Somerville, South Carolina. Um, the house got appraised. It was appraised at a little over $600,000. I ended up picking it up on the market. I bought it from an owner, and the owner wanted basically pay off. And they, you know, I got it right around $135,000. So I'm thinking massive, awesome, good deal. Had no problems with it. I was excited. Big house, brick, Charleston brick. Um, the people who built the neighborhood, in fact, built this house. So it was the largest one with the largest piece of property on their land or on, in the area. Well, you know, that's how all good horror films start out, but I'm not even thinking about it. And I love horror films. So me and my daughter, we move in. My daughter, she is about seven at the time, Haley. We uh, we move in first night there. My soon-to-be wife, but my girlfriend, um, her and her mom were move, put, like getting stuff set up in the house. I was tired. I had to work the next day. So I go to bed. I'm laying there. I already have a computer set up. And with the with the computer off, there was a red light on my speakers. So when the computer was on, the light turned green. Well, the whole day I'd been scaring them just because it was a big house. And they were like, man, this is big. You know, I'm scaring them, jumping out, being silly. I'm laying there sleeping, though. And all of a sudden, I kind of wake up and I hear the boards creak near the bed. And I kind of, out of my peripheral, I see the red light on the computer is blocked. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, they're going to try and scare me. So I'm sitting there and I'm just kind of like, eyes, you know, pent shut, just kind of waiting, a little bit of light at the door. I see a shadow at the door and there's somebody to my left. So I'm like, all right, my mother-in-law or my girlfriend and her mom, they're going to try and scare me. About the moment I put my weight down to jump up, to be like, ah, you know, to jump and scare them, all of a sudden I just hear, let's go. And boom, like, the footprint, you know, go running out the door. 
So I jump up out the bed and I run to the edge of the door and the hallway was big enough to the right or left that I would have seen them in the time that it took me to get up. Nobody was there. No big deal. Felt weird. I went and found them, told them about it. They kind of left. Just said it was a a karma getting me for messing with them all day. So anyways, a couple days later, uh, my daughter, she spends the weekend there. I'm in bed in my room. She's in her room. All of a sudden, I wake up, and she's standing at my bedroom door because she didn't want to sleep with the the door shut. And I look over. I see her. I'm like, Haley, what's going on? And she's like, Dad, I'm scared. Come get you. Know, come to my room. And I said, no, I'm not sleeping in your room. You sleep in your room. You know, I got my room. You got yours. You're too old to be in bed with me. You know, you sleep on your own. So she goes back to her room, maybe about 20, 30 minutes later, she wakes me up again, standing at my door, and she's like, Dad, I'm scared. So I'm like, all right, and I'm getting agitated. I take my comforter, I fold it up, lay on the floor at the the, the side of her bed. And maybe about 20 minutes into sleeping, I get woken up by being shook. Well, I'm kind of mad. I'm aggravated with her, so I, I, you know, I say, Haley, stop it. And I look up, and she's kind of scrunched up on her bed, looking at me, and she goes, Dad, I didn't do that. So I said, all right, you know, I let her hold her hand over the edge. I held her hand. You know, I'm laying there on the floor again. We fall asleep, and then all of a sudden I'm shaking awake again. So I I ended up just getting in bed and laying there with her. It was like the ghost wanted me to sit with her. (laughs) Um, For We stayed there, shoot, for about four years. And the whole time we lived there, the house, we would hear voices. Um, You could sometimes hear what they were saying, but mostly like conversations going on. If we were downstairs, like there are multiple times we'd be downstairs having dinner or having people over, and you would hear, boom, 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 you know, somebody walking upstairs. And people were like, oh, it's probably squirrels, it's probably animals. I was like, yeah, that's a 180-pound squirrel, because it sounded like when I was walking upstairs. You know, there's no way that it was an animal, unless it was a human. My in-laws had keys to the house, too. And one day, my wife and her mom, they went on like a woman's vacation. They went to Tennessee to hang out. So my father-in-law calls me. I'm at work. And he's like, hey, hey, buddy, if you want, I'll meet you at the house. And we'll we'll go get dinner or something, hang out. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. So I get home from work. I see his truck's there. And I figure he's down in the sitting room. So I come in the front door. I run upstairs to get a shower. Start to come down. He meets me at the stairs. He's like, hey, buddy, you know, you left your TV on. And I went looking for you. And I didn't see you. But there was no TV on. So I don't know what it was. And he's like, maybe it was just in my head. He's not one on scary stories. So it's funny he even admitted that. But there were times he would tell me he heard things. Um, You know, so that night we just laughed it off. We went on. Well, had a bunch of little things happen, you know, always hearing voices, stuff would go moved, um, my keys, my wallet. I made a class for my keys spring-loaded so that I could hold on to them. And my wallet, I ended up, I would lock in my car nine times out of ten because if I didn't, it would go missing and I'd have to spend time looking for it. Well, the best part of the story ended up, so I ended up going through a divorce. I sell the house and someone else. And I... uh go out on a date my my girlfriend at the time she said hey there's a lady i work with her and her husband really want to meet you they're like my surrogate family and they want to meet you so we go out to dinner together and we're all talking everything goes good we had a lull in the conversation and my daughter she pops up and she's like hey we live in a haunted house and i was like haley you know i'm trying to make a good impression so i tell her i'm like haley you know hey people don't always want to hear about ghost stories well then the the you know, the husband he's like oh man I love ghost stories that's great 
Earth has a house. And they would hold seances and they did Ouija boards and, you know, they did all sorts of stuff in the house trying to communicate with whatever spirit was making things happen. Well, it ended up getting violent to them. It got so bad, in fact, that the guy that owned the house, him and his wife, they would get scratches, like leave, they had scars, they had bite marks, cuts, all sorts of things happened. And they got to the point where they sold the house. They just, he's been, you know, the dude's telling me, like, man, they just they got rid of it for next to nothing. So I make a joke, and I'm like, oh, I got rid of my house for next to nothing. The guy says, oh, well, this house is in Somerville. I'm like, hey, my house was in Somerville. Come to find out, the guy I bought the house from was their friend getting rid of it for you know, for the payoff just because he wanted out of it. It was so bad, they were about to lose the mortgage or you know, to go bankrupt. You know, they were about to lose it just to get out of it. And it, it was just funny, the set of circumstances that I lived in this house and had so much going on, but it was good to us because we didn't antagonize the ghost. But yet I met a couple people that knew of the house that had been in the house and were there through the violence and when it was real bad. I still drive by the house. I miss it. I'd move back in in a heartbeat. But uh, you know, Mike, thanks for letting me share the story. And dude, I'll have to send you another picture. I still wear your shirt. Got from you. Talk to you later. Bye. The twist to this story was something very unexpected. A town with a population of roughly 52,000. And this caller just so happens to go to dinner with someone who once owned the home he was living in. I wonder how long it took before the next person he sold the house to decided to call it quits. With the money I'm paying for a room in California, I may have to take a chance on this place. Before we continue to the next caller, we will take a quick commercial break. Do you love horror? Do you want to lose yourself in an immersive, dark world? Enter Maltopia. Maltopia is a horror fiction podcast featuring series and stories that all take place in the same universe, where storylines and characters from different stories intersect, creating new intriguing plot lines. Just type in Maltopia, M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A, a new world of horror fiction, and join the darkness. Hey guys, we're back on the Scarecast Podcast, and this next story is brought to you by a brave young woman who called in to share her experiences with a cyberstalker whom she met on a random website. It's important to realize you never know who may be on the other side of that chat screen. There are all types of weirdos everywhere, and letting your guard down with a total stranger who appears to be nice and genuine can be a very risky act. It's important to know who you are dealing with, who you are sharing information with, and to protect your privacy. Before listening to the next story, I want you to make sure that your location settings are not set to public, because I can tell you now, even on Snapchat, I can see the very location of where some of the fans are, and some people may not even be aware of this. I will now play the next story, and please stay safe out there. My experience happened back in 2012. I was bored and I was joining random websites. And the site that I joined, I can't really remember the name of it, but it was full of scammers. And I wasn't on the website for about two days. 
before I received a message and it said, what's a pretty girl like you doing on a site full of scammers? And the person admitted to me that he liked being on that site because he liked trolling and that he didn't like the people on the website because they were Nigerian. And he said that Nigerians were known as scammers. Um, shortly after that, we had our disagreements, but we went from that site to kick and eventually to Facebook. And eventually we continued talking and we were getting to know each other when I came across a post that he was tagged in. And there was a lady who was mentioning in the post that he was a stalker and he was a hacker and that she advised everyone to block and um, just avoid him in general because of the way he was and that he was mentally unstable. And that should have been a red flag. But before I could form my own opinion, he reassured me that the lady was crazy. And fast forward a few more months, we ended up exchanging numbers and I exchanged a personal picture with him. And I don't remember why he became angry, but he was mad that I wasn't replying to him fast enough. And again, that should have been a red flag, but I just knocked it off. And he, um, he told me that he didn't like how I had a bad attitude and I brushed it off a few times before I became blunt and I just told him to screw off and I blocked him on everything that I could and I changed my phone number. So fast forward another year, uh, he started emailing me and sending me news of himself and I didn't know much about like how you can use fake emails. So I thought it was a random ad. Um, and then eventually I started messaging back and I started telling him to leave me alone and to please stop sending me those pictures. To which he started sending them again. He started sending more pictures and more often. And I realized it was him because he inserted the picture that I had previously sent him of myself. And eventually I blocked one of his emails and I had to end up closing my Gmail account because blocking him wasn't doing anything. He was messaging me on more than 100 emails and he went back on to kick after I closed my Gmail account and he kept messaging me over and over and over again and eventually I told him you know well, if you apologize if you're really being sincere then we can try this out we can be friends again I'm like but that's it we're not going to go any further than us being friends and he did that he sent me a long paragraph apologizing he told me he was sorry for being vulgar and for posting my pictures online, which I didn't know he was doing, harassing me and stalking me. And he admitted that he did an online search where he came across my address, which at that time I didn't know you could do that. And he kept apologizing to me um, numerous times and I forgave him because I thought he was really going to stop. But um, two days later, after he sent me that long apology, he started sending me the messages he was sending me in the email, and he started sending me those pictures again. And he told me that he didn't believe that I had forgiven him, and he started to become angry again. And so he made like dozens of kick accounts to message me because I started just blocking him. And he began to threaten me and my baby. And he said he wished harmful things on us and he wished us harm and he wished that someone would abuse my baby. Um, so I tried to file a police report, but at that time I had no information on him besides an old phone number he used and his first name. So they couldn't, uh, they couldn't file a report because they're like, well, we don't know who we can use, I mean, who we can file the report on. So fast forward two years, I ended up deleting my Facebook account and I created a new one. Um, I had a previous kick account that I wasn't using, so I started using that. 
And I thought that he was gone, you know, I hadn't heard from him for two years. And I was like, okay. And I started using another app. It was called IMBU. And he eventually remembered that I had told him about that app. And he started messaging me on there. But he didn't get that far because I blocked him and I kept my account very, very private. So I was fine for a few months before I got a Facebook notification that um, someone was bullying my cousin. And my cousin was 14 at the time. He was encouraging my cousin to self-harm and he was making her hate herself. And so it didn't take long for me to connect the dots. And I warned my aunt um, to alert the authorities. And of course, nothing was done because I was told that there were no laws um, in specific in that time period uh, for like cyberbullying. So their only advice was to delete social media accounts. And so now back to IMBU. Um, I had my account on private, so I believed that it would stop them. If you're familiar with IMBU, you can boot somebody from your room, um, which means they can't come back for a certain amount of time unless you have them banned. If they're banned, then they can't go in your rooms at all. But you have a location. Um, if you click on your profile, it shows your location. So your location is if you're in someone else's room or if you're in your own private room. And I had my location on. So I'm guessing that the guy, he used that as a way to see who I was uh, frequently chatting with. And he ended up messaging one of my close friends. And eventually he hacked her page too, because um, she used to use Tumblr, which is kind of irrelevant, but he used, uh, he used Tumblr to send her messages too. Um, and then I taught her how to change her settings on IMVU. And from there he stopped messaging her. But then he messaged me on Kick again. And I believe that the reason he got my info from my second Kick account was from my cousin's Facebook post. And from there is when things started to go crazy for me. <clears throat> he started, um, he made an Instagram account and he posted my address and a picture of my house on there. And then he sent that to my Kick account. And then he started having uh, pizzas delivered to my house randomly. And I'm not sure about it, but um, I'm going to assume at this point that um, the reason that my uh, father-in-law's tires were slashed was because either he made friends with someone in California or he, uh, he himself came because he knew where my house was. I had lied to him about what kind of car I owned, so it made a lot of sense when my father-in-law's tires were slashed that it was either him or someone he knew. And um, I started screenshotting everything that he sent, and that just enraged him. And I, and to this day, I still don't know how he is able to see my screenshots because iCloud is supposed to be very secure. But I remember um, the last thing that he told me before I before he lost contact with me with me was that I better be careful because I never know when he would sneak up behind me and slash my neck wide open. And after that. I was able to get a uh, police report filed on him for terroristic threats. And I was also told that he was not going to be arrested because he lived in a different state. He lived more towards the East Coast and there was no uh, laws against that type of stalking. And the cop told me that I needed to take self-defense classes and that I needed to purchase a gun in case he ever went to my house or he ever came here to California. And I, I was also told by the cops that um, they weren't taking my, my case seriously in the beginning because the guy knew so much about me from hacking 
that the police department believed that he was my ex and I was filing the false police reports because I was angry. So around 2007, he started uh, he started posting pictures of firearms on his Twitter account. And I haven't heard anything from him since then, but I do think that he's still hacking my account. Um, and I was warned by the police department that I need to stay off social media completely so that he moves on to another victim. And I have changed my numbers and my emails, and I have moved several times out of fear that he'll find me. Um, but so far, he has not found me, and I'm, I'm so happy and relieved. Uh, and that, that's my story. I really commend the bravery of this caller. She endured many difficult things, and unfortunately, in some states, laws do not protect individuals from such stalkers. Please do your best to protect yourself, your privacy, and look for any red flags early on in a relationship or friendship, not just with people online, but also people you come across in person. The last caller for today's episode is someone who claims to have dealt with an evil lingering spirit a spirit that would watch her sleep at nighttime. I won't get into many details, but please take the time to listen to this incredible story from this brave young woman. Hey guys, this is Nova Wicked. Uh, I am here to talk to you about a series of experiences that I had uh, when I was about 20. Um, I think I should start off by stating that I'm a witch. I was taught my traditions by my father, my godmom, and my auntie, who didn't actually have any blood relation, but she was still family. All my life I've had a healthy belief in the paranormal, but I've always kind of paired that with a strong sense of skepticism. Something being preternatural isn't my go-to assumption for anything. That being said, throughout my life I've had dozens of encounters with paranormal entities. Um, most of them, nothing that I would really call frightening or hostile. Uh, but like I said, when I was in my 20s, I had moved into a new apartment and it didn't start right away or even soon after we moved in. But I started to wake up in the middle of the night and I would feel something that was just panic and dread and in my doorway there was this massive shadow man standing there just watching me while I slept and I've had panic attacks and honestly the feeling that I felt every time I woke up was just like that and I know it wasn't sleep paralysis because I could move and I could yell and <laughs> I would either cling on to my boyfriend who was sleeping in bed next to me or call for my roommate. Um, and that happened for a while, once a week, maybe twice a week, but eventually it escalated and I would wake up to see the figure in my door and turn on the lights, call out for somebody or grab onto my partner in bed wake him up and then eventually I would be able to lay back down and t 
turn off the lights and go back to bed. But after that, I would start to wake up later on in the night on the kitchen floor, on the kitchen floor, ravenously hungry. And I was, I was often eating like whatever food I could find in the fridge with my bare hands, just like making a mess everywhere with no recollection on how I got there. And that's really when I started to get freaked out about this. Uh, I had never had an encounter with something that made me lose such control over myself before. Um, and it was like no other shadow person that I've ever seen before. I had seen them like pop in and out of sight a, a handful of times throughout my life. And the more and more it happened, the more and more this feeling of dread and panic just took over. Um, then one night, it just got even worse. I woke up, felt the dread, saw the thing in my doorway. But it, I realized that I didn't actually see it in my doorway. I had caught it out of the corner of my eye, up in the corner of my ceiling opposite where I was sleeping and I just freaked my partner was sleeping in bed next to me and I like shook him so hard trying to wake him up and eventually he did and he looked me right in the eyes and he wiped my tears away kind of groggily but then he kind of wrapped me up in a hug and all he said was Shh, it's okay I've got you now you're mine and started to squeeze me tighter and tighter and tighter until it physically started to hurt me. And I just flailed and I kicked and I punched and I pushed him off of me and I ran out in the living room, turning on all the lights and I hid on the couch. And a couple minutes later, he finally came out and he was like, what the hell, why did you attack me? And I was like, I was beside myself. And after taking some time to calm down, I explained him the whole situation. And he just looked me dead in the eyes with just an absolute like voice of conviction. He was like, I don't remember any of that. From that moment on, I started to cleanse the house every day, everything in it, everyone in it. As soon as I woke up, I would do it. And right before I went to bed, the experiences started to happen less and less until finally they stopped altogether. And I thought that I was finally done with it. But I was wrong. A couple of years go by. I don't have any experiences. I moved to an amazing house that is perfect for throwing parties. It had a huge backyard with a pool and a hot tub. The neighbors had really big yards too, so there was no neighbors. And on the one side, there was a school football field. And so we had no noise complaints. Along the side that was towards the school, there was a big wooden fence with a gate that went into a kind of a dirt driveway for extra parking along the side of the house. Um, and like we always did, it was a weekend. We were throwing a huge party. We had a couple of friends from out of state. And at some point during the night, I had told a friend of mine the story about the thing that watched me while I slept. 
he was also a witch, and so we were kind of sharing our experiences over some cocktails. Now, when I host a party, I don't drink a whole lot. It's kind of hard to throw and keep a good party going when you're shithouse drunk. And I don't really do drugs, not often. Um, I always mix my own drinks. I've had a couple of bad circumstances happen to me, so I don't let anybody else mix my drinks anymore. So I know I wasn't anywhere near drunk. And I think it was just a little bit after midnight when I looked over to the gate and one of my very oldest, very best friends was just standing in that open side gate. He looked like he was in kind of like a stupor and had his hands in his pocket and his shoulders forward and he was frowning. I laughed a little bit and wandered over there. Uh, and me being my sassy self, I started to tease him about being too drunk. Then out of absolutely nowhere, he just reaches back and slaps the ever-loving shit out of me. My ears were ringing. I could taste blood in my mouth. It was something I never expected him to do. I saw red, and it took two people to pull me off of him because I was going to kick the shit out of him for slapping me. But eventually, we all got calmed down. He immediately went inside and started to cry and say how he had no idea why he did that. And he didn't even really remember doing it at all. It was just that everybody was telling him that he had hit me. Soon we calmed him down and put him to bed, thinking that he was just actually too drunk. And I really did think that that was why he did what he did. Until I was back outside sitting, having a cigarette on our porch, talking to my witch friend. Um, when all of a sudden that feeling of dread and panic just washes over me and I turn and I look and in the gate, in the light of the house and the backyard lights and everything, there is the thing just standing, watching. And I don't know if I turned on my friend or I like flailed at him, but I asked him if he saw it too. And when he just kind of nodded and said, yes, my stomach sank. I, and then I think I just had enough. I'm not entirely sure if it was the fact that my blood was still up from my friend slapping me or maybe just because I remembered that I'm a super confrontational person and I don't like shit messing with me, but I got up and I walked straight over to it. For a little bit more context, I'm not like normal, what you would call white witches that are like healing and creation and energy. I have a very destructive entropic and chaotic energy. <laughs> My father would always joke that I was a little entropy incarnate by how many things spooky and not that I would just destroy when I was a child without even trying. So in that moment of my absolute dumb bravery, I stood up and started screaming at that shadow man. As I did, the entire fence along our backyard started to 
shake in these like huge rolling waves and I could barely hear anything over the wind that started happening and all I could do was just envisioning envision tearing this thing into little pieces and slowly but surely it grew smaller and smaller until finally there was nothing left of it and I felt a weight lifted off of me in that moment in that kind of way that you didn't know you were carrying something around your entire life and I kind of knew that that night was the last night that I was ever going to see that thing again. It's taken me a long time to get comfortable sharing the story. For a while, I thought that the reason why it had shown back up is because I was talking about it and bringing attention to it. But like I said, I'm fairly sure that I destroyed that thing, whatever it was. And I know that this may seem nuts, but I swear to you, this is what I experienced. And I hope that if anybody else has anything like this happen to them, they know that they're not immortal. They can be destroyed and you can stand up to them. So take care, guys. This story really gives me hope. And I commend this caller for how strong and brave she is to confront the spirit and destroy it. A spirit that would not leave her alone. All we can hope for is that this spirit is definitely gone for good. This wraps up the calls for this episode. I would love for you all to give me feedback of what you thought of this new type of episode by either commenting on the video version of this episode on my YouTube channel, leaving a podcast review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you are listening on, or by messaging or commenting on a post on my social media which my Instagram and Snapchat handle are at MadMikeHorror. If you have any experiences you want to tell, please call the Scarecast hotline at 213-320-0390. Again, that's 213-320-0390, and I will definitely take a listen. If you want to call or text that number to give me feedback on this new episode, that would also be appreciated. All the information will be available in the description of this podcast or video, along with what number to call or text if you have experiences or feedback. Please stay safe out there, and I look forward to speaking with you all again. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.